This week's episode is brought to you by GN Ferraris Certified Public Accountants and Consultants. In today's economy, you need a roadmap. Let GN Ferraris help you navigate through and stay financially secure. I'm Grant Parpan, and you're listening to The Reopen. In this, our last regularly scheduled episode, the reporters who worked on the series discuss what they're seeing as Long Island enters Phase 3. Outdoor dining is expanding into streets. Indoor dining is back. Nail salons and other personal care services have returned. Still, some questions remain. You're listening to Episode 5, The Recap, with Grant Parpan, Steve Wick, and Tara Smith. The South Hall Town Board, they adopted a resolution a couple weeks ago to close off uh, Love Lane between Main Road and Pike Street just on weekends until Halloween to give businesses and restaurants some extra space, you know, as we move into the summer and not just outdoor dining, but also allow some of the retail shops to kind of put displays outside on the sidewalk and then just give people room to kind of practice social distancing, you know, without fear of, you know, a car flying down Love Lane or anything like that. So that actually takes effect, uh, I believe this weekend will be the first weekend that that happens. So that'll be really exciting to see how that how that all goes. What you're describing happening on Love Lane and Mattituck Tower is something that I know I've seen and I know you've seen Steve in Greenport. Uh, they've been kind of testing out dining in the street. This past weekend, they expanded even further. They had tables outside restaurants uh, all up and down Front Street. Lucharitos had outdoor tables. Um, it seems like this is something that's actually really popular. And I kind of wonder if this is something that we're going to see long term. You know, Greenport's a really interesting story, Grant, because, you know, when, when I would go out there on assignments or to take pictures just a couple months ago, you could have literally walked down Front Street right in the middle of the road and not encountered a car. But the place is so popular. It's such a great destination that you always knew they were going to figure some way to get through this. So in phase two, you started to see tables being set up along Front Street in front of places like Agave. And it was I would go by there and every table would be filled at Noah's at six o'clock in the afternoon or five o'clock in the afternoon. And then it grew uh, onto Front Street as well, down at the end towards Lucaritos. And it just seems like of all between Riverhead and, uh, and Southhold, that Greenport, I think because of its unique charms and because it's Greenport and because it's a big tourist draw, that they've kind of figured their way, they're, they're navigating this thing in a very clever way. And it, it seems to be working. And you wonder all the talk about bankruptcies just a few months ago when we were talking about, you know, eight out of 10 businesses would fail. Um, it feels to me like, particularly in the food business, that that's changed. Yeah, I don't want to undermine uh, some of the restaurants that are going through a real struggle. And I understand everybody, nobody's doing what they did last year, this year. Uh, I do think, though, with maybe with the PPP loans and a lot of these restaurants doing well, that we're actually going to see them sort of persevere from this at a higher level. Uh, I'm actually going to play a clip right now from our uh, very first episode uh, where we had an economist. Uh, he, he was estimating, we asked him to 
estimate how many restaurants he thinks might fail. Just shooting from the hip here, I think that five out of 10 is a conservative estimate for the number of restaurants that are going to uh, that are going to fail. You see restaurants as a fairly high failure rate business in the first place because it's very difficult to build a base of new customers. Now with the, with the financial issues that they're having, I think a lot of restaurants that otherwise might have been able to hang on are not going to make it, uh, probably not even reopen. That was Tom Flesher, an associate professor of economics at Suffolk County Community College at the start of this series. And that was just a couple months ago, Grant. Okay. And then in Riverhead, we also have outdoor dining going on. Uh, you know, Riverhead's in a little bit of a different situation. I think it's probably, you know, a little less recession proof than maybe the rest of the North Fork. Uh, you know, they've had some struggles in trying to redevelop the downtown. We had our, our second episode was about that. Uh, this year, they had to get rid of Alive on 25, which they had already scaled down, but it's a very popular summer series where they shut down the street and they set up booths. The difference between uh, the sort of regular dining that they've been doing and this Dine on 25 concept that they've come up with is this will be similar to Live on 25 where they shut down the street and they're going to actually put out tables and instead of bringing in outside vendors, they're going to have just the restaurants that are already existing there and the businesses that are already existing there bring stuff out. So you're going to have the, uh, you know, this whole idea of you could sit down and, uh, and dine right on 25. Uh, and I think that's going to be re- really interesting. I-, I hope that does well. I think it's probably going to be a little bit more of a challenge drawing people yeah. than, say, Greenport, where you just kind of organically have people spilling in and spending a weekend mm-hmm. here. What I took away from the Dine on 25 when I read the story is it seems like a very clever way to move away from a live on 25 yes. into, something, yeah. into something different and potentially better because it highlights the restaurant businesses there. Uh, I, I thought it was just a very clever way to kind of adapt and move on. Recall some of our earlier podcasts on the subject of reopening, Grant, where people we interviewed said, you're going to have to be really entrepreneurial to figure your way out of this thing. This is Kevin O'Connor of BNB Bank speaking to that point. You'd like to think that everybody has sort of the staying power to be able to do this, and, and uh, but it probably is um, too optimistic. I'm always amazed by entrepreneurs, how they are the successful ones. They're always thinking about the next part of their business, what they're going to do. And I think, Grant, we're actually seeing that. Yeah. And I think you're seeing governments working with people. Obviously, we uh, each of these three areas where we've talked about dining in the street, that required work from the village government, from South Old Town, from Riverhead Town. And, you know, it was a little bit of a slow go maybe to get some of the stuff up and going. But then again, you know, we're only just now hitting phase three anyway. And I think uh, everybody kind of moved quickly eventually. And things are uh, I I think there's some positive things happening for the businesses. Uh, One of the areas, uh, you know, as I kind of look ahead and wonder, you know, as we continue to explore this reopening theme in our heads is, you know, what is phase four going to hold? We got some details yesterday. It seems like some of the stuff on phase four, like, uh, um, you know, theaters and gyms, they're not going to open for much longer. I do worry about the future of say like a, you know, a big gym that, that, that brings in a lot of people, but is, uh, but is maybe privately owned and doesn't have a ton of investors to kind of help see it through. Uh, how how long it's going to be until they get open and what kind of effect that's going to have. I think there are a lot of the businesses, I think we focused a lot on the restaurants because they're very public and there's been a lot of action taken and it was uh, a really like a 
a, a good avenue in for us to do this podcast series. But I do worry about some of those other sectors. Um, yeah. You know, not so much personal care things. Like I know the salons and barbers. I know I ran out to the barber on like the third day, you know, that I could to get my hair cut professionally done. No, no offense to my wife, but it just wasn't cutting it. And, um, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, Tara, you went out to some nail salons yesterday. How were they looking? Yeah. Um, not, you know, I, I was kind of expecting them to be busy, but they just can't be, um, you know, by nature of the guidelines that are set in place at 50% capacity appointment only. Um, but I did stop by Nails by Vivian right on Pike Street. And like she, Vivian couldn't even have a conversation with me. The phone was literally ringing off the hook. Um, she was booked until, you know, well into next week for appointments. Um, you know, obviously the three month shutdown, you know, everyone's kind of itching to get get back into their routines, getting their nails done, things like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have to have that option. Um, yeah. How do you, know, some, you know, some other spas are open, open to for, you know, other similar services. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that sort of thing? Are you sort of reluctant to go to, you know, uh, to a place where there's like that sort of personal contact with another person right now? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, but I think between wearing masks and, you know, just kind of screening yourself for symptoms, they have these plexiglass barriers up in front of the, you know, each station, um, you know, I think they're taking a lot of good precautions and I think it's, yeah. you know, they make you sign this consent form when you are receiving these services now that pretty much says I'm aware of the risks. You know, I know that basically says like, I know COVID-19 isn't over, um, and I'm consenting myself to these services. So, but I think you know, I know that's like a legal liability issue, but, um, you know, it, it really is up to your, your individual, you know, yeah. kind of. Level, I, I think what really popped level. out to me was the photo you took that's in our paper today uh, at the nail salon where the woman, both are in masks and yes. the woman has her hand under that plexiglass shield. Yeah, uh, there's a little. That really says a lot. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to change. I mean, I think months from now, that plexiglass mm-hmm. shield will still be there. Yeah, no, I think that'll be, you know, kind of just commonplace, just like they have those barriers up at the grocery stores. Like, I don't foresee those coming down either. No, they're not going to come down. Yeah. I mean, myself, I'm still a little, you know, I still want to kind of do the right thing. I'm still trying to, you can't really call it a quarantine anymore, but, uh, you know, we're all still working yeah. from home and I'm trying to limit how much, uh, time I'm actually out there. I'm definitely a little bit with the restaurants reopening. I want to see the restaurants succeed and I'm glad they can have indoor dining. I know a lot of people are going to have mm-hmm. absolutely no problem doing indoor dining, but I mean, it would definitely be my preference to eat outside now, whereas maybe that wasn't the case yeah. before coronavirus. Uh, I, I just think human behavior is changing so much uh, that I do think it's going to be still somewhat of a struggle for these businesses or, you know, it might be a year or two from now before yeah. they're really seeing, um, okay, we're kind of back to normal now. Yeah. Here's former Greenport mayor, Dave Capel back in episode one. People are going to be afraid, even, even if businesses open, people are going to be afraid to, sh- to, uh, to patronize. We're seeing a behavioral shift that's unprecedented in, in modern history, really global that's not going to resolve itself you know in a couple of weeks after after some order is given look at the fact that the vast majority of the global population has risen to the call to to isolate it's really remarkable when you think about it when can you think of another time in 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 history that something like that has happened on such a massive level i suppose at wartime this has been incredible grant there's great differences between green uh, between restaurants i was wondering about little lucaritos in aquabog i mean if you've been in there pre-COVID, there was just, just a handful of tables and a bar. 
Yeah. Um, and okay, you got, where, where are you going to eat? I mean, what are you going to have two tables filled with instead of five? Yeah. Um, that's going to be a real challenge. Whereas Noah's, when I drove by there last Sunday, every outdoor table was full. And now as of yesterday with, with phase three opening, you can get people inside. So they, they got the room inside to reduce tables. Whereas a lot of restaurants, particularly I'm thinking of little Lucaritos, they just don't have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, gonna be a real challenge. They, yeah. They've, they've done pretty well in terms of takeout. I've always said takeout's you, you really live, succeeded there. You live close to there, Tara. I'm sure you've seen a lot that, you know, they've had every time I drive by. The yeah. There's a huge line every time. <laughs> yeah, I tried quite across the street. Takeout. Even across the street at Barrow Food House, they have that delivery mm-hmm. window. And almost every time I drive by, I see somebody picking up food, you know. So I think. Yeah, that's uh, been pretty clutch for me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's been good for me too. The lobster roll is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I had that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I've called Little Rocaritas two or three Thursdays in a row, <laughs> Thursday night. And I do the order online. And then the phone rings literally when I hit the send button. And someone says, um, it's about an hour and a half. You still want that order to go through? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. Never mind. So, Dave, <laughs> David, the, the again, going back to the theme we sounded in earlier reopens where people said you're going to have to be really entrepreneurial. The takeout business has actually thrived in some places. One of the big concerns moving forward is what will happen to phase four businesses like event spaces and gyms. Uh, churches have also been brought back, but only on a very limited basis. Steve, you're working on a story about that? Yeah, I've talked to a bunch of people in the last week or so for possibly a future story about church services. Now, currently, you could go to, let's say, uh, Good Council in, in Mattituck, and it's 25%. Um, and it's you're way apart in there. Uh, there's great difficulty in, in getting communion. With phase four, that goes up to, I think, 33%. But that, to a lot of people, uh, particularly older people who sort of are the church audience out here, that's still not going to cut it for them. And they're just not going to take that risk. So in terms of, and I think there's a great story here for us to try to chase about, will you ever go back to the routine of your Sunday morning church services, or will Will you be scared away as you, you're just talking about gyms? They're not going to have plexiglass shields between, you know, the weight machines. And church is going to is a very interactive, personal experience for people, particularly Catholic services with communion. How are they going to do this? And are people going to be willing to even try it at, at, the, at the 25% level or the 33% level? One of the Catholic dioceses upstate has declared bankruptcy. And that's got to be coming for some of these churches here, Grant. They have been shuttered for so long and now extremely limited. If people weren't dropping off or mailing in the weekly contributions, even though they weren't going, uh, these churches have to be in massive, massive financial trouble. The Reopen has been a product of Times Review Media Group. It is hosted and mixed by me, Grant Parpan, with reporting from Steve Wick and Tara Smith, who both joined me this week. Tim Gannon was also a frequent contributor. Theme music is by Admiral Bob 77 courtesy of CeCe Mixter. A special thanks to everyone who participated in this series, in particular Dave Capel, Kevin O'Connor, and Tom Flesher, who each did an interview for our first episode, interviews we replayed at times throughout the series, including in this recap episode. 
The series was sponsored by GN Ferraris, certified public accountants and consultants. In today's economy, you need a roadmap. Let GN Ferraris help you navigate through and stay financially secure. Lastly, please subscribe on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts to Closer Look for more podcasts from Times Review Media Group, including our daily update news briefings. We'll also continue to produce episodes dealing with COVID-19 and the economic fallout on that feed, as well as other news topics that are important to our readers and listeners on the North Fork. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you.